You're listening to The Point with Pastor Gray on Atta Church Radio. Church Radio. Church Radio. Church Radio. Church Radio. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to The Point. This is October, what is it, 20th today. We are live, hence uh, random audio mistakes like just happened. Praise the Lord. We're still going to keep on going. Uh, As you may notice in the studio today, it is myself, Sam. I'm normally the producer of the show and my brother, Mark. And uh, we are unfortunately not joined today by our other the uh, the wise elders of our congregation who normally run this podcast. So if there's all kinds of foolishness going on today, that's wise because they left us here and they ran off to go do other things. So you never know what's going to happen while <laughs> the cats are away. No, Thanks we're we're <laughs> we're glad to be a part of this. It is chilly out this morning. It is, sure uh, is. the it is definitely feeling like fall. I um I, I have my my warm socks on today and uh, it is even though it, it, it you're at it's at that point where you can either run the heat all day long and you know just run up your electric bill or you can put on a sweater and socks and just kind of bear with it until it gets cold enough to justify running the heat all day uh, although today when we got outside it is actually warmer outside than it is inside it's actually a beautiful sunny day out uh, as I mentioned on my Facebook page last night it's a full moon as of last night which according to God's calendar is a new month. So that's kind of a cool thing too. It's funny how that doesn't always line up with our Greco-Roman calendar that we're using, but praise the Lord, we'll, we continue on. Um, this week, I wanted to touch on something. It's actually a uh, something that Brother Woods mentioned last week, because we've mentioned a few times we've touched on during our podcast here. And so I wanted to go ahead and just you know, bring it to the forefront is uh, the book of Second Timothy. The book of Second Timothy, if you want to turn there, if you're following along, checking to make sure we're actually going out properly on Facebook. Looks like we are. If you catch us on Facebook, make sure and share, like, subscribe, all that stuff. We'll be putting this up on our YouTube feed as well, at a church on YouTube. Uh, we've also been putting together, Mark actually has done the work of putting together some of the older Eschaton episodes and then all the new ones. I'm just doing a slideshow for now. I'll be putting actual video on those, but those are going up on YouTube as well. So if you if it's easier for you to catch things or to share them off of YouTube, you can always catch them there as well as on our Facebook page. And then all of this will be going out on At A Church Radio, our podcast feed, which you can find anywhere podcasts are found. Praise God. All right, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Mark, if you wouldn't mind reading for us, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll start in verse 3. All righty. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. All right, that's good for now. So 2 Timothy is this uh, the second one of these books written by Paul to Timothy, who is a young uh, pastor, a young shepherd there. And th- this has full, chock full of instructions on how to run the church, how to properly be the pastor and the shepherd, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that there. So what's cool about it, though, is that this there's this theme that goes all throughout the book of 2 Timothy specifically, where he talks about this idea of being a soldier. In verse number three there, we see, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he covers a lot of different material in these, but I noticed uh, the Lord was just kind of taking me through, kind of highlighting these different verses, and I realized that there are mul- multiple verses in this book specifically to do with being a soldier and that talk about specific actions or things we're supposed to be engaged in, things we're supposed to be doing as soldiers. Uh, of course, 
if we are a part of the army of the Lord, if you have been baptized in Jesus' name, you've repented of your sins, you've received the Holy Ghost, you are his child, you are also in his army, you are also in his kingdom, and so we have a job to do. We're not just left to just then go wandering and just kind of spend our days not really accomplishing anything. We actually have things we're supposed to be doing in and for the kingdom. And so I wanted to just go through a few of these here, and this is not exhaustive, but it's just the ones that I jotted down while I was going through this. Uh, The first one, of course, is in verse 3. He says, to endure hardness. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Mark, you were in, uh, you did basic training for the army, and you were in for a couple of years, right? Can you say that you endured hardness during your training? Yes. (laughs) In a word, yes. (laughs) Lots of hardness. Yeah. There were many multiple things. Uh, I mean, it was was a lot of, um, yeah. That. Don't want to get into it too, too deep, of course, because there's a lot there. But I, uh, yeah, we, we woke up early every morning. Right. We did. The first thing we did was exercise before even breakfast. It right. sucked. Right. And then after that, you know, you, you only get 10 minutes to eat breakfast. <laughs> and um, let me see here. This, this went on for nine weeks. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. There was a lot of training involved, mm-hmm. a lot of hardship. There were a few times when we went under, and I don't even know if they do this anymore, but they had us go under live fire. They had these exercises where we would actually crawl under live ammunition mm-hmm. being fired. And this all led up to, I believe it was a nine mile hike trek that we had to do with right. a big rucksack on and everything right. at the very end. And it, yeah, there was yeah. just a lot of hardship, you might say. Okay. And do you, I know it may not have felt like this at the time, but do you think they did that for the fun of it or were they trying to, what, what was the point of all that? Well, as the <laughs> army sees that, okay, yeah. as the army sees that, the point of all that is to break you down mentally mm-hmm. and psychologically and then to build you back up mm-hmm. in Uncle Sam's image, I guess. I don't, I don't know whose image <laughs> yeah. it would be, but they're, they're yeah. building you back up how they want you to be. To be the soldier, right? As a yeah. good soldier, yes. Yeah, yeah. To be the, the perfect idea of the American soldier, you know, the army and all those things, right? And that's the, that's the point of that hardness that you're put through in training, right? Is to prepare you then. So then when you go out and you're in battle or you're in, you're at a post somewhere and you're on guard, you are required to march across the landscape. You're required to navigate all these things. You've gone through it already and you've been prepared. And that's something that really one of the biggest themes I wanted to mention here is when he says endure hardness, uh, he's saying that you need to be able to be, you need to allow yourself to be prepared for the Christian life. You need to allow yourself, allow God to put you through situations that are hard because that is training, that is preparation for then when you go into spiritual battle or you're faced with things in life where you don't have time to sit down and to think about and to calculate. uh, One of my friends, when I lived near Fort Benning was in the Rangers, and he talked about those. He got a medal specifically for going out in front of live fire and crossing over um, and going and picking up one of his buddies that had been left behind. And, and then I'm not sure if he'd been wounded, but he was not able to cross over. And so he said he just got up, you know, in the middle of this firefight and crossed over, you know, live fire. Could have been shot down at any moment. But he said the reason he did all of that was not because in his mind, I'm going to be really brave and I'm going to do something, you know, to rescue my buddy. It was it was all training. He said it all at that point, because you're operating completely auto mechanically, you know, when you're in battle, he said it was all to do with the training he'd been given. He was prepared to do certain tasks, to, to accomplish certain things and to make sure, you know, no one was left behind and all that stuff was drilled, drilled, drilled into his head. So then when it came time in the real situation, it's just you're you're reverting back to your basic instincts, which if you've been trained properly, that's what they are, is to, okay, take care of my troops, to make sure nobody's left behind, to actually you know engage the enemy properly, all those things. So that's really kind of where I wanted to start with this. 
verse four, so that's enduring that hardness, right? Endure. Verse four says to disentangle from the affairs of this life. He says, no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. How easy is it in our modern day and age to be entangled with the quote unquote affairs of this life? There are so many things, you know, we've talked about in Pilgrim's Progress, uh, you know, this idea of vanity fair, and that is the world we're living in. You know, you pick up your cell phone, you look at your computer screen, you even go out driving and every single billboard is flashing at you in bright colors, trying to get you to engage or to indulge in something or other. And the, the affairs of this life are shouting at you from every corner. And he says here, but no man that warreth, if you're going to actually win this fight against the devil, against the forces of the enemy, the forces of Antichrist that are trying to overturn the church, they're trying to derail the work of God. If you want to war properly, you cannot entangle yourself with these affairs. You have to pull out. You have to pull back. Uh, again, you know, when you're in training, uh, one of the first things I remember at Fort Benning, one of the first things they they went through was they, what they called red phase. And, I, and that was the, I believe, the first three weeks of those nine weeks. Um, it was either two weeks or three weeks. They had several phases they went through. But during that phase, it was the strictest phase of training, right? At, at the very beginning. It was right after their head gets shorn, right? And then all their, they're stripped of all their earthly possessions, all their cell phones, all their personal private things are all stuck in a, in a bin somewhere. And all they have is what the army has issued them, which is, of course, their rifle, their uh, their uh, clothing, you know, their boots, all that stuff, and that's all they have access to. That's all they know. That's all they can talk to. They're not even technically allowed. I don't think to talk to anyone off post at that point. They're very restricted, and they go through that. And then after that phase, then slowly they're reintroduced to the outside world. They get their cell phones back. They're allowed to go off post. All those things as training goes on, you slowly reintroduce, right? And that's so that you you get centered, you get focused on what the army wants you to get focused on first and foremost. All the other things of this life, you know, whether it's going out on the town, whether it's just going out to eat and you know getting weighed down, or um, you know getting distracted by other things out there, those things would. De- derail your training would derail the focus that you're supposed to have so here in verse four you need to disentangle from the affairs of this life why so that that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier obviously like you said earlier when you're in the in the u.s army it's uncle sam right that's who's you know uh, your commander-in-chief is the president and you know you've got all these generals all the way down but in our christian life if you are a child of God, who has chosen you to be a soldier? Well, that's God himself. That is Jehovah. That is Jesus Christ. He has chosen you to be a soldier. He's the one who drafted you, and you answered the call, and you said, yes, Lord, I am committing myself. I am, I, you know, at that point of baptism, if you go through and study it, it's really, it's that, that's that oath. That's that swearing in. That's where you are making that commitment to God to say, yes, I am yours. I am going to be in your, under your name. I'm going to be in your army, and I am yours from now on. Do with me what you will, God. You know, that idea of, of lordship over you. And so at that point, then you need to disentangle from the affairs of this life. And, you, and that's something you have to continue, right? Because if you start reintroducing stuff, and we've heard this from many people, you know, people who, who uh, are considered what, what a lot of people would call a backslider, right? They're saved, they get the Holy Ghost, they're on fire, and then they start reintroducing things. You know, at first it's like, okay, I gotta get rid of everything, everything that can pull me away from God. But then after a while, it's like, okay, I'm good. And that's that's the trap, right? I'm good. I'm I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm I'm mature. Most people, you know, maturity is not something that uh, the more mature you are, the less mature you believe you are, right? <laughs> as you go along, it's just like wisdom and knowledge. As you, the more you learn, the more you realize I don't know anything. Uh, so if you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm mature. I'm wise. I'm I've got knowledge. I'm well trained. I can handle it. That's the point 
of danger, right? Because that's when you start reintroducing things into your life that will then start pulling you away from God. Or as we found out, things, you know, things like music, movies, those kind of things will, are, are media, they're media, right? They're called media. They are mediums. They are vectors for direct spiritual engagement where you might be inviting, introducing into your own home spirits that, again, are completely against you, that are completely against the work of God and the work of Jesus Christ. And this is just such a dangerous thing to engage in. So again, the idea of disentangling is important. Verse 5, I think we already read in 2 Timothy 2 there, if a man strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Just this idea that we should strive, we should push, we should fight, we should work, we should exercise ourselves lawfully. Uh, you can't come up by another way. You can't do shortcuts in the army of God. There's the right way to do things. There's, you know, the old paths. There's the, the way that God has set it to be done. And that's it. If you're trying to do things another way, if you're trying to accomplish the work of God in the flesh, you know, you go read Romans 8, oh, it, you can't accomplish it. You have to accomplish the things of God in the Spirit. So you have to strive lawfully. Uh, let's jump down a few more verses. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 8. You mind reading that for us? Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So he says, remember, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. So we have to remember the gospel. And you might be like, well, obviously you're going to remember the gospel, right? But here he's telling Timothy, who is a young pastor, young preacher, and he's taking care of a church. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. This is something that you have to remind yourself of, something you should meditate on. You know, you, you it's there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's, it's a good thing to spend some time, whether it's every day or just a couple times a week, meditating on the cross, meditating on the gospel, meditating on the work and ministry of Jesus Christ, what he did. Because that's that's our that's that goes back to this idea of our goals, our mission statements, right? It's like, why are we doing what we're doing? Well, it's because Jesus did it first. We love others and we love God because Jesus loved us first. And so it's good to remind yourself of these things. Let's jump down to uh, verse number 14 then. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Okay, so of these things, you know, of the gospel and then the other things he's mentioning here in this chapter, put them in remembrance, put others in remembrance, charge them before the Lord. So as someone, as a shepherd especially, as someone who is a teacher, someone who's passing on the knowledge or the leadership given from God— you have to put others in remembrance. You remember yourself and then put other people into remembrance of these things. And he says, why? Charging them before the Lord. So they're accountable to the Lord as well, that they strive not about words to no profit. That goes back to that word strive, right? What are we working? What are we engaging in? What are we working at? Not these things that are profitless, not these things that are a waste of time, but to the things that are good and holy and righteous. That was verse 14. Uh, let's hop down then to verse 16. But shun vain, profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And I apologize. Actually, uh, read verse 15 as well. Oh, okay. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay. So verse 15 tells us that we are to study. We're study how much or how to show yourself approved unto God. Not approved to someone else, not approved to your pastor, not approved to, uh, you know, your uh, some other friend in your life, not approved to your audience, you know, the people that are hearing you. No, you have to be approved by God. And it, this, again, goes back to the whole soldier motif that we're talking about. When you're in training, when you are working to be a soldier, you're learning your, your job, you're learning your tasks, you're learning how to do what you're doing, who actually approves that when you're in basic training? 
Uh, it's usually the it's whoever's in charge over you. Probably in basic training, it's usually a, a sergeant, right. drill, drill sergeant. So there's a drill sergeant. He's the, he's your direct contact point for okay. Here's what you're supposed to be doing, and here's how to do it. But orders, where do orders come from? Well, there's a whole chain of command. Right. There's a whole chain. Right. So then it it could come all the way from the top from the from the commander in chief says we're going to war or we're pulling out or what have you or you know a specific thing that is given to a general or to a lieutenant or who you know all the way down the line. Yeah. And but then you've always got someone over you, right? You've always got someone you have to be approved by. And if you're not approved by them, then you're getting smoked, right? You're you're having to do all kinds of work, right? You get in trouble. Yep. Here, who we're supposed to be approved by is God Himself. Think about that just for a moment of just the 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 importance then of what you're doing, the impact of what you're doing, the the absolute professionalism and excellence that is required of you for God himself to be approved. That's a pretty high order, right? That's a pretty tall order for us to, to be approved by God. As we've seen in the scriptures, there's none holy like God. There's none righteous like God. So his standard is really high. That's how we're supposed to study, is to show ourselves approved unto God. So if you're reading your scripture, that's the mindset you should have when you approach it is, I need to learn this so that God would approve of what I've done here today. Not just, oh, okay, I'm good. I feel good. I feel like I read my one chapter and that's all I need to do. If that's where you're at, then that's fine. But ask yourself and ask God, okay, what would you approve of God? Have I gone far enough? Have I done enough? Or would you have me to do more? It says here, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's the, where we should get to is the ability to divide, the ability to discern throughout the word of truth. Uh, verse 16, we already read, shun profane and vain babblings. Don't spend time engaging with uh, those things that are worthless, that are empty, that will pull you away. Um, Proverbs 19, verse 27, if you wouldn't mind looking that up, Mark. Proverbs 19, 27. We can't lean on our own understanding, and we can't lean on the understanding of other humans either, because they're going to be wrong sometimes, <laughs> right? If they're if they're your leader in the Lord, you listen to them, you listen to what they're saying, you take it before the Lord, right, if you're questioning it. But that's not where we get our final answers. We should shun these profane and vain babblings. Why? They increase unto more ungodliness. If you're falling down all these paths of, of all these distractions, that just ends up leading to more ungodliness in your own life. Do you mind reading that verse for us in Proverbs? Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Hmm. That's a pretty, a pretty cut and dry one there in Proverbs. Cease. Just stop. Stop it. <laughs> and uh, read that one more time. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err mm. from the words of knowledge. Mm. Cease to hear the instruction. If you're listening to something that's not the word of God or is not coming from the word of God and it's leading you astray, it, w- or it will lead you astray. I'll put it that way. If it's not the word of God and it's just someone's opinion, if it's just someone's inspirational message or what have you, nine times out of ten, it's going to be leading you away from the word of God. Uh, as we were beginning our journey here, you know, to this point where we were brought to this church, we were learning from God, we... That was one of the red flags that we that we kind of had set for ourselves when we're listening to teachers, when we're trying to find out the truth was, do they actually use the word of God? Are they referencing the scripture? If you listen to a quote unquote preacher or a speaker and they don't make reference to the word of God, or if they do, it's just kind of a, you know, one verse here at the beginning and then they just kind of run off and they're speaking out of their own mouth the entire time. That's a red flag. Again, that's not a uh, one and done. But it's definitely reason to question. It's definitely reason to, to check and to say, okay, now is well, all those things that they said that sounded good, that may have you know tickled my ears, are those actually found in Scripture? Because 
that's when you get off, is when you get off of the base, you get off of that foundation of Scripture, and that's not your focus point. So uh, we need to stay away from those profane, so something that's dirty or, or, or that is perverted, and vain babblings, things that are empty, things that are just, he says babblings, you know, people just spouting on. People can talk. I've listened to people, there, there's people that we know that we've, we've come away from conversations and said, wow, he said a whole lot of nothing for about two hours, and I didn't get a word in edgewise, and I feel the worse for it. And that's the kind of stuff it says here in that verse in Proverbs to cut off, and here in 2 Timothy 2, verse 16, he says, shun, stay away from it. Just, you know, ah, I can't can't have that, you know? You don't need to be rude to people, but you need to let them know, hey, on some level, at some point, you need to let them, let them know, I'm only listening to sources. I'm only going after people who are in the path of God. I'm not going to be just listening to, you know, your your sales speech for whatever it is you're trying to to put over on me. Just checking here to make sure to see. Looks like we've got somebody, at least one person watching us live. Uh, I always encourage people to throw out a comment and leave a like and let us know if everything's going all right with the stream. I know with Facebook, for some reason, when it starts hiccuping and doing its weird thing, we can't even tell from this end. So uh, let us know, make sure everything sounds good and it's coming through loud and clear. All right, we are moving along here. Let's go down to verse number 19 of 2 Timothy 2. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Mm. So that the first part of that verse, of course, is a great encouragement. These, these, these really solid words, nevertheless. So, you know, it, it never stops. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. You know, that's all these, this imagery of something that's very concrete and put together and unmovable. The Lord knoweth them that are his. If you are one of God's children, if you have been born again of the water and of the spirit, he knows you and you know him. You look at those passages about the judgment and when, when God uh, separates between the sheep and the goats, what does he say to the goats? He says, I never knew you. But to the sheep, he welcomes them in because they already know his voice, right? They've already responded. They already know him. They already know his personality, his heart, and all of that. So he says here in verse 19, the Lord knoweth them that are his. So that's a real encouragement. But what I wanted to focus on is the second half of that verse where he says, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, again, if you've been baptized in the name of Christ, if you're claiming Jesus Christ as your Savior, what should you do? Depart. Here's another action word. Depart. Leave. Get out from iniquity. Don't let iniquity hang out in your life, and don't hang around a place where iniquity happens. Again, if you read the the Psalm 1, uh, or the, really the entire book of Proverbs, this stuff is repeated over and over throughout Scripture, that you should stay away from people who are committing acts of sin. That's not where you're to hang out. That's not, you're not going to you're not going to, um, there, there's a lot of people today, and especially in a lot of different churches, where they think, well, if we become a little bit like the world, then maybe we can entice them, we can kind of win them over, and then we'll show them Jesus, and then they'll get saved, and it'll be wonderful. You get this a lot of times, uh, it's a very dangerous thing with relationships, where a man or a woman, a boy or a girl thinks, well, they're not saved, or they're not following God, but... I can, I can help win them over, right? And so they enter into a, a relationship, they become unequally yoked in the, the really perverted hopes that they'll be able to convince this person of themselves to follow after the truth. That's not how this works. You're, again, going back to Romans 8, you're trying to do the operations of the Spirit, but using the power of the flesh, it will fail. It will always end up corrupted. You need to depart from iniquity. If you name the name of Christ, if you allow yourself to be a called a Christian, right, you should depart from iniquity. Leave it. Stay away from it. Just like Joseph ran out of the house when he was being tempted, just stay away from it. You will be better off for it. Uh, let's go over to chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Hmm. Here again, we see the, that term at the end of that that little passage that says, from such turn away. You hear, these are the kind of people, and, I, and again, I do believe we are in the last days or approaching the end of the last days. Perilous times shall come, so dangerous times. Why? Because men will be lovers of their own selves, bo- covetous boasters, etc., etc. He goes this whole list of all these terrible character traits that, these, that people will have in these last days, that they're selfish, they don't have self-control, traitors, uh, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And he says, and in verse 5, he says they even have a form of godliness. So these are even people, whether they include all of these traits or not, there are those who will pretend to be godly. There are those who will call themselves Christians. There are those who will put themselves forth as if they are soldiers of the cross, but they will deny the power thereof. They will not be fully in the truth. From such, turn away. So we were talked earlier, you know, it said shun in iniquity or, or to depart from iniquity. And we should shun vain babblings and these kind of things. <clears throat> But here we see that we're supposed to stay away from people who are doing these things as well. So you stay away from the activity, you stay away from the actions, you stay away from the people. Come ye out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We are to be a peculiar, separated people. And that's an important thing to remember. Again, if you're going to be a soldier, if <laughs> when you're a soldier, how do people identify you as a soldier when you're out and about? What's the easiest thing? Your uniform. Your uniform. What you wear. Uh, one of the other things, big things, is how you conduct yourself, right? And I remember hearing, when I was on post, I'd hear sometimes, uh, while we were waiting, I was doing Bible studies there, and while we were waiting to have our turn for a specific a place where you know where we could host it, there would a lot of times be these talks going on, presentations you know, to the men, this kind of stuff. And I remember on more than one occasion hearing them have these, these, uh, these kind of teaching times, instruction times, where they would be talking about conduct, and they be talking about to the men saying, okay, this is how you conduct yourself, or this is how you take care of, and and they a lot of times have instruction on different things, taxes, all kinds of stuff, but a lot of it had to do with, okay, this, you are a soldier in the U.S. Army, you represent the U.S. Army when you go out and about, so you have to dress a certain way, you have, you should act a certain way, Uh, you're not a robot, but there is an awful lot of your life that should change or should be, should reflect, your station should reflect your position within the army. So other people know, hey, that's a soldier. Hey, they pledge allegiance to the the flag. They pledge allegiance to the army, right? They are one of those soldiers. It's the same way when we're in the army of God. We don't hang out. We don't intermingle with those who are not in God's army. Those who, especially not those who are enemies of God's army. Obviously, if you're if you're comfortable with the enemies, then uh, that's what this says. He says here in verse four, traitors. Right? That would be a traitor, and that's what you know. How are traitors punished in the army? Uh, well, I'm not sure exactly always, but there's a lot of con- big consequences. Yeah, heavy consequence, right? It's usually prison time uh, or yeah. something like At that. At the least, you're thrown into prison. At worst, you could be executed, right? If you're a traitor, if you're a direct traitor to the army, to the, to the country. I, I believe so. I know desertion is definitely yeah. it's top of the list of consequences. Right, but right. I believe it's the same with the traitor. And, and if you read, uh, I believe it's... 
first or second Peter, I was just reading the other day, it's the same, well, in the book of Hebrews too, it's the same thing if you have tasted of the goodness of God, if you have been brought into this army, if you've been brought into this family, and then you reject, you're a traitor to the cause, you're a traitor to his teaching, you're a traitor to his purpose and his will, then you, you're, uh, here it tells us, those of us who are pursuing the truth should stay away from you, we should turn away from you, and of course there's church discipline and all that instruction throughout the scriptures, but at that point, if you're just, if you are qualified as a traitor, well then you are on the same side with the enemy. And that means you're going to be under attack from God himself. You are going to be judged according to an enemy's judgment. And that's a dangerous place to be. So we should turn away. We should stay away from these people. Uh, let me hurry through. I think we've already been going for close to 30 minutes. So we'll keep on. I'm, I got a few more. We'll finish up here. Verse number, starting in verse 12 of chapter 3 uh, through verse 15. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Mm. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Mm. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Mm. Amen. So here what we see is to continue in what you've learned. There are many people we've met who are who have been raised, you know, as, as we came to an apostolic church, we were raised in a Baptist church. So we learned the scriptures, but we didn't learn the proper teaching and interpretation of those, and we didn't have the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us as we learned the scriptures. So we were very familiar with these things, but we didn't even fully, I know for myself, I didn't fully grasp or understand what a lot of the scriptures meant or what uh, the, the implications of them. There are many who have been, just like verse 15 here, from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures. You've been taught, you've been raised since you were a baby. Many people, since they were in the womb, have been going to a church that teaches the truth. The danger then for them is to discontinue, is to is to follow away the wayside, to backslide, to let go of the things that they have been taught. And again, that's a dangerous position to put yourself in, but the exhortation, the encouragement today is to continue. You can continue. And there's also that warning there in verse 12, you know, where it starts off saying, if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, if you're going to follow after him, you will suffer persecution. In this army, you will come under attack. There will be people, there will be places, there will be spirits that will come after you and try to derail you, try to distract, excuse me, try to distract you, try to stop you from continuing. Evil men, seducers, that's the idea of drawing you away, right, will show wax worse and worse. It's just going to keep getting worse, right? <laughs> you hear that say all the time, you know, the world's just going to keep getting worse and worse. Well, it's true. You know, the Bible says it right here. It shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So even as they're leading others astray, they themselves are already deceived. And so they don't even realize the mess they've got themselves in or the mess they're leading others into. This stuff's just going to keep going. So how do you, how do you combat that? Verse 14, continuing the things which thou hast learned. Verse 15 says, the whole, you know, what you have known from the Holy Scriptures. Go back to the Bible. Make sure you know the word. Goes back to, to verse chapter 2, verse 15. Study the show thyself approved, rightly dividing. This is integral. You need to spend time in your scripture every day. You need to spend time praying and asking the Lord to guide you and to lead you and to help you discern the scriptures every day. It's just like your, um, you know, this is your weapon, right? This is the sword of the spirit. With your rifle, what would they have you do with it? Everything. Everything, <laughs> Everything you, right? You would clean it all the time, but then, I mean, up to and including uh, in basic, they would have you sleep with it even. Exactly. You sleep with it. Why? So that you familiarize yourself, so that you never forget it, so that you know exactly where it is, what it feels like, how heavy it is. I'm sure after a while, you would know, you'd be able to feel the difference between you who are carrying a loaded weapon and an unloaded weapon, right? You'd be able to... 
if you're, if you're carrying it constantly, right, you're able to tell all these little things. You would know the, how to fix a malfunction, and you'd know how to, how to treat right. it, how to clean it, how to ca- take care of it, how to fix it, right, how to operate it, so that why? When you get to the field, when you get to your post, then you know how to fire it properly. You know how to aim it properly. You know how to take care of it when things break down because reality is, you know, it'll get mud in it or it'll get sand on it or, you know, it'll be humid out or whatever. Things will have, things will jam. Things will have an issue. You know how to clear that. You know how to use it properly. It's the same thing with the sword of the spirit. You need to be that familiar with it. Some people do actually sleep with their with their Bible under their pillow or next to their pillow. I know I have mine right next to my bed because there's times that, I'm, that God wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, hey, I want you to go look at a specific scripture. And if my Bible's not there and it's in another room, it's really easy to be like, okay, God, but it's, you know, I'm already in bed. I'm all cozy. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that tomorrow. And of course, you never remember tomorrow morning when you wake up. And it was just the other night, God woke me up and was showing me something in scripture that I needed to hear. And so keep your scripture close by, carry it with you, take it with you, put it, leave it in your, you know, bring it with you in your car. Um, It's fine to carry it around. You know, what's interesting too, uh, and this is just a side note, when you carry around your scripture, it changes people around you. When you're carrying a Bible, people suddenly are like, what, who are you? What are you doing? Are you a missionary? Are you a preacher? And they just, they just, they just know you're doing the will of God and you're carrying out the ministry and the work of God. And so they, they, it changes their expectations of the interaction they have with you. Just, just do that as an experiment sometime. Next time you go, you know, shopping, you go to the mall, you go to, um, you know, out to eat or something like that, just carry your Bible with you. And you don't even have to even necessarily, you know, open it up and start preaching to everybody in the restaurant. Just bring it with you, carry it with you, set it on your, your, you know, set it by you there. And if the Lord leads, of course, you can pull something out. But notice how the atmosphere changes when you carry your weapon around with you. It is it is vital to your Christian life, your Christian warfare, that you be familiar with your weapon and that you carry it around with you. Uh, we'll finish up here in verses... Well, we got a couple more. Verse uh, 16 and 17 here in chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Mm, Perfect. That word perfect means entire or complete. Truly furnished. So you've got all the equipment you need. You've got all the preparation you need unto all good works. God has provided you through the scriptures everything you need for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, so that as you then go out into battle, you've got all your equipment. You've got your boots on. You've got your rifle with you. You've got your helmet on. You've got your your uh, protective gear. You've got all of your 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 water canteen. You know whatever it is you need to go into combat. This is how you get it: is reading the scripture, preparing it, sharpening these things, and preparing them. Uh, let's finish up then in Second Timothy four verses six through eight. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Mm. So Paul knew then the Lord had shown him, or he had, you know, an impression from the Spirit that, hey, I'm I'm ready to be offered, as he said, I am nearing the time of my death, the time of me leaving this plane of existence and moving on to the next. But what does he say in verse 7? I have fought a good fight. He could look back on his life and he could say, I fought hard. I did the work that God gave to me. I have finished my course. I kept on going until I cross. I'm now crossing the finish line or I'm about to. I have kept the faith. That word kept more often than not in the scriptures means to guard it in that idea of keeping. It's the idea of a like a keep, like a castle keep, right? I have protected the faith, my own faith and the faith as I gave it to others. Henceforth, okay, here's the result then. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. 
So where is he getting this from? The Lord, the righteous judge, the one who judges this warfare, these games that we're at, right, throughout our lives. Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, is the one who judges them, and he has righteous judgment. And he says, if you do these things, if you if you fight the good fight, if you finish your course, if you keep the faith, you will get this crown of righteousness as well. And he says, not to me only, unto all them also that love his appearing. So the really, the thing I, I noticed here that, that was brought out to me was this idea of loving his appearing. We should be looking for his appearing, we should be watching for his return, and we should love love his appearing. If you're not ready to love his appearing, if you're not excited about the return, the second coming of Christ, the return of the King of Kings, if you're not excited about that, there's something wrong, right? You've got some kind of sin in your life, or you're not actually under the blood, right? You're not actually one of God's children. There's some kind of problem going on if you're not excited about his return, because he is our commander-in-chief. He is the captain of all the host of heaven's armies and the earth's armies, right? So if you're not excited about him returning, then you need to get something right. But if you are excited about it, if you do love his appearing, then he says here, you'll be getting this crown of righteousness. He will provide it to you if you keep the faith. So I hope this has been an encouraging, just kind of a, a walk through a Christian soldier's life here in 2 Timothy 2, of course, or 2 Timothy, the whole book, really. Uh, there's a lot more verses we didn't touch on, and so I'd highly encourage you to read through 2 Timothy as it's a very encouraging book, and it also gives you a lot of food for thought along these lines. Just to throw it out there, I had some more notes, um, but we won't go into them for sake of time. This idea of wielding the sword, this idea of being the, the the member of the body and a member of God's army that you need to be. First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, talks about identifying your teammates, right? Trying the spirits and make sure you know who's on your side or not. If you came across somebody in the middle of the night and you've got your rifle pointed at them and you've got a flashlight in their face, you need to make sure they're actually the enemy before you start firing, right? And same on their side. Well, First Timothy, First John chapter 4 gives us some information on how to identify those who are of Christ so that we can share with them, we, sh- we, can, um, we can go ahead and have fellowship with them, and we would also stay away from those who are not. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, is a very familiar passage about the armor of God. It talks about equipping your armor, readying your sword, rallying the troops. Uh, it's also mentioned, of course, in Isaiah, I think, 59, where he talks about the armor of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, we need to swing your sword with discernment. We need to speak the truth in love. Hold fast to our faith, as Paul mentions here, and come boldly unto the throne. When you have requests, when you need that air support, right, you need to, you need more supplies, go to the throne room, go to the commander-in-chief and say, Lord, I'm here on the front lines, I'm working for you, I'm fighting hard, but we need some more equipment. We need some more, uh, we need that that tank division to swoop in from the side and to take out this, this, uh, this, place that's that's this hardened place, you know, this fortress that, that we're not able to take over on our own. You know, God God wants us to win. God wants us to achieve the victory. He calls us more than conquerors in the scriptures, which means you already have you already have the, everything won for you. In, in Deuteronomy 7, I was reading the other day, when the Israelites were told to go into and take the, the land of Canaan and all these things that have been promised to them, he said, you should take it one at a time, you know, you should work your way through, um, organize it, but everything's already promised. The victory, the, the battle has already been won. You just have to be there to accept the surrender of the enemy and to demand that he give up his position and give up his weapons. But if you're not there, if you're not if you're not ready for that, then no, you won't have the victory. If you're sitting on the sidelines or you have, you know, turned tail and run and you've, you've, you've turned traitor or something like that, you won't be there for the victory. You won't experience that victory in your life. So we need to claim the victory today. We need to make sure we're living in dominion and authority that Jesus Christ has given us. And again, turn to the scriptures to fill in the gaps in your own knowledge, to help you, to encourage you, to bolster you and to build you up. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add, Mark, before we close? 
Uh, I would add just that along the lines of the battle mm. right now, um, I firmly believe that right now our adversary is tempting and, uh, you know, he's, he's coming upon a lot of people in that way, a lot of Christians, and he's really going to try and test you. Mm-hmm. So if you think, I mean, some of this is proactive, you can go into battle and you can do that on your own, or you can, you know, with your church body, whatever, you can go out and try and minister and do things. And sometimes you're just walking into spiritual warfare there. Oh, yeah. But lest you think you're not in battle. Mm. Satan walks, our adversary walks around, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. And like I said, right now in particular, I believe if you haven't been attacked already or tempted or anything, he's about to do it. Right. Um, because, of the, because of the time we're in and everything, Satan is really seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. So we're all in battle right now. That's that this, oh, yeah. is, this is every one of us. Exactly. There are no sideliners right now, in my opinion, anyway. Exactly. Amen. You might have a different position, right? You know, in the body, there are many members. Everyone has a different ministry. Everyone has a different assignment to... To do just like in the army there's cooks there's snipers there's you know a tank driver you know all these different things there's demolition clearing but they all need to fulfill their position in order for the whole thing to work in order for the army to win in order for the army to take the ground that they're supposed to be taking everyone's got to kick into gear if the cook isn't cooking up the food or if it's terrible and no one's able to eat then all the infantry you know the army marches on its stomach uh, all the infantry is going to be all shut down they're not going to have the strength or the will to fight that they need and so everyone needs to to put in their their hours, put in their time, if you will, and needs to spend some time in the Word, spend some time preparing for these things. Um, if you're left confused by any of this, if you're left thinking, well, I, I just don't know where to start, I don't know where to go, ask the Lord, pray, you know, talk to your pastor, get it, if you're not, if you're not in a good church, find a good church, find a good apostolic church near you, uh, you know, if you want, you can write us on Facebook or through our website, atachurch.info, and we can help you find a good church, but get in a good church, it's, it's vitally important that you're with the body, that you're congregating together, all the more as the day of the Lord approaches, and so that you're getting strengthened, you're getting those other positions filled for you, because if you're one of those infantry members, you need that, you know, that cook, you need uh, that that air support, whatever it is, you need to accomplish your job. You need to be in the body of Christ so that you all can help each other. We can build up and edify one another. And uh, on that note here, if you're in Indianapolis or near the Indianapolis area, we'd love for you to come visit us. We are at a church, Antioch, the Apostolic Church, over here at 11140 East 10th Street in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. We have services tonight. Uh, we have a service at 7 p.m. on Wednesday and also at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Sundays. So we'd love for you to come join us. We'd also love for you to check out the rest of the podcast stuff we do. Right now we've got Eschaton going as well as this uh this podcast every week, The Point, Eschaton, is a study that I am hosting where we go a deep dive into the last days, we call it, and uh, we're just working our way through all of the different things that the Lord has opened up in the scriptures to do with prophecy and the end times. We're currently working through Matthew 24, and I believe after that we'll be heading off into the book of Daniel, but that will be some time because Matthew 24 and 25 has a lot of material in it. Uh, if you could give us a like, give us a share. I do see that uh, Kathy McCarter has been listening in and has left us a few comments. Praise the Lord for you, Kathy. I see that you have a prayer request you left here. We will make sure and pray for you as well. And that's something else I wanted to mention. I don't know if we mention it very often, is that you can always leave a prayer request on our page or as a comment on any of our posts. And as much as we're able and we get a, get a hold of that, we will pray for you and we will lift that up before the Lord. Thank you so much for listening today. And uh, I appreciate everyone who listens. And we hope you join us again next week. God bless.